0: Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us over at Stevens and Appleton. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, Good to have you with us today. Uh, in my last message, I was uh, reading to you from the Old Testament, this, uh, an account with the uh, prophet Elisha, who was uh, preceded by Elijah. Elijah and Elisha were like the two, two of the yo mama major prophets of the Old Testament. These guys are something. When you think of classic Old Testament, walking in, boom, making stuff happen. This is Elijah and Elisha. They were incredibly... Powerful man. We read the account about Elisha who had an army come to uh, take him captive and uh, his servant had come out in the morning and when he saw this army, he freaks and he makes two statements. One, oh no, and the second, what are we going to do? And we talked about how that's a very natural normal response in life. When things go bad, our first response is, oh no, what are we going to do? Which is perfectly fine. Uh, I don't have a problem with people freaking out when they get very bad news. That's normal. That's perfectly natural. Uh, I usually allow myself a good freak out period (laughs) when things go badly for me. But I got to pull out of it. You can't stay there. If you stay there, you're just going to be sorry. You're not going to see God show up in your life. It's not crying. Oh, what am I going to do? My life's terrible. That makes God show up. If it did, God would show up everywhere. There'd be miracles there because everybody I know is, oh, what am I going to do about something? That's not what does it. It's faith. When you get to a place of faith, then God shows up. So he's saying, oh, now what are we going to do? And Elisha prays for him and says, Lord, open his eyes so he can see what we see. And when God opened his eyes, he saw that the army with him was much greater than the army that was coming against him. It was really an amazing Story. After reading that and thinking about that, I began to think about his predecessor, Elijah. And I thought, you know, I want to talk about Elijah this morning. Elijah was an interesting prophet. He was uh, a prophet during the uh, reign of King Ahab. Now, Ahab was one really nasty dude. And uh, this was a time his whole family, they were very corrupt and turning away from God. Uh, Ahab was really caught up in the hip new thing going around, which is which was called Baal worship. It was uh, uh, these idols that they would worship. And I mean, it was really awful. Uh, It's been reported, you know, they were into human sacrifices, all kinds of stuff. A very dark, very wicked, the most evil, you know, Raiders of the Lost art kind of, you know, kind of weird guys. That was them. All right. And these people did in fact experience great supernatural expressions. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, when Particularly where there's a complete absence of God, evil can just go nuts. And that's what was happening. If you remember, like when uh, Moses came in front of Pharaoh, let my people go. I don't need to let them go. Who are you? And he throws down his staff and it turns into a snake. Remember this? And then do you remember what the Egyptian magicians did? Exact same thing. Threw down their sticks; They turned into snakes too. He said, how is that possible? I don't know, man. There's all kinds of weird stuff going on back there. What was cool about it was Moses' snake ate their snakes. <laughs> and, uh, but for a while, whatever Moses would do, they'd do. Until at some point, they couldn't keep up anymore. I mean, it's the one wave of God showing up, and these guys, ah, they couldn't, couldn't handle it and realized that God was bigger than anything they could do. So when these guys were into these worship, this wasn't like a casual going to you know, church on Sunday kind of. This was serious, satanic, evil worship. That was fun for them and very hedonistic and everything you can imagine was going on. And it was a party from hell. And uh, it was corrupting the entire nation. And Ahab was married to this chick named Jezebel. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Jezebel, but to this day, the name Jezebel evokes nastiness. That's when you want to really insult a really nasty woman, you call her a Jezebel you terrible Jezebel, you know. Well, that comes from the Bible. This Jezebel, she was like, I mean, nobody names their little girls Jezebel any more than you name your little boy Adolf. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. Stay away from those names because this is nasty. So this is, this is the Jezebel that to this day people refer to a wicked, nasty, stealing, cheating woman as a Jezebel. This is Ahab's wife. These two are bad news. They are nasty. And they were killing the Lord's prophets, and just the whole place was going nuts. Well, Elijah comes along, and he starts to rebuke them and prophesies that there's not going to be any more rain until I say there's going to be rain. Well, poof, everything dries up. One year goes by, no rain. A whole year with no rain. Can you imagine just when we don't have much rain? You know how much havoc that rakes in California, everybody's, I mean, it's just, don't get enough rain. We're talking zero rain. Year two, zero rain. Year three. Three years of absolutely not a drop falling from the sky. This is bad news. And people are suffering and it's miserable. And God is putting the screws of these guys because they are being so wicked and, and turning away from the Lord. Ahab is desperately trying to find Elijah because he wants to kill him like all the other ones. As far as he knew, this was Elijah's fault. he said this, we need to get rid of Elijah. But he couldn't find him wherever whenever, you know, God just protected him. Wherever he goes, go, he was always zapping somewhere else. And, well, then one day Elijah comes to uh, one of the servants of Ahab and says, hey, tell Ahab I want to meet him. And if you read it, the servant goes, no, man, please don't get me involved. <laughs> I know what'll happen. I'll say, hey, he's over here. And he'll get here and you'll disappear again. And then he'll kill me. And Elijah had to convince him, I'm telling you, I will not disappear. I will stay here. So he goes and tells Ahab. and So Ahab comes. To see Elijah. So let's take a look at it in uh, 1 Kings 18th chapter, verse 17. So when Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Of course, Elijah replies, I've not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands, you followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal. And the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So he basically calls for this big showdown. And all these prophets of, you know, again, highly intense, satanic. This is serious nastiness. 4,000 years ago plus. I mean, this is, these guys were really intense. And he says, I want all you guys to come and meet me on Mount Carmel. So they come and the people of Israel come with them. Uh, So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Well, Elijah went before the people after everybody got together and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people, a bunch of wusses, stood there and said nothing. Then Elijah says to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. Actually, that wasn't true, but he didn't know it. But they'd kill off a bunch of them. He thought he was the only one left. But Baal has 450 prophets. So it's 450 to one. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to get two bulls. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves. Let them cut it. You know, be nice. Well, let them go first. They'll cut it into pieces. Put the wood, put it on wood, that, but don't set fire to it. Then I'll prepare the other bull and put it on wood, and I won't set fire to it. And then you call on the name of your God. I'll call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. All the people said, cool. What you say is good. Now you have to understand these prophets of Baal also said, sure, no problem. Why? Because they saw stuff like this all the time. They saw spiritual incantations and all kinds of, you know, expressions. They thought this would be a piece of cake. And again, When God isn't around and totally absent, it's amazing what evil can thrive. We say that around the world today, where there's a little to no God and the wickedness and the evil and the violence that thrives. It is quite stunning. So these guys all said, yeah, let's do it. So Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, well, you guys can go first. Choose one of the bulls, prayer first, because there's so many of you. He's actually being a smart aleck. And uh, you call on the name of your God, but don't light fire. So they said, okay. They took the bull given to them, prepared it. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon Baal, answer us. They shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. Oh, Baal, sack it to me, Baal. I know you're there, baby. Come on, let's rock, baby. And they're boogieing around the altar. But nothing's happening. They're starting in the morning. One hour, two hours, three hours. Come on, Baal! At noon, the Bible says, Elijah begins to taunt them. (laughs) Shout louder, man. Surely he's a god. Now, why isn't Baal showing up? Because the presence of God is there. You have to understand that when the enemy comes against you in your life, the best thing you can do is get in the presence of God. Come to church. Worship. Pray. Pray at home. Get friends together and pray. When God shows up, it makes the devil incredibly uncomfortable. He splits. But they don't get it. Because it's been in a God vacuum. They've had all this weird satanic stuff going from There's no God in it. All of a sudden, they're trying to make something happen. Nothing's happening. Why? Because God's there now. This prophet's there. and The presence of God is there. And he taunts them. Shout louder! Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's in deep thought or busy. Now I often preach from the NIV translation of the Bible. It's a fairly new translation. I like it because it's uh, very clear English. We all speak English. The clearer is usually always a win. The thing I dislike highly about this translation is anything. And there's all kinds of things in the Bible from beginning to end that are pretty. Some of them are crude. Whoa! In your face. These wusses, every time there was anything remotely could possibly be found offensive to somebody, they would change it. It's not material. It doesn't matter. It just irritates me, all right? Because I think they take away some of the sting that should be there. Because when they translate here, perhaps he's in deep thought or busy. What he actually said is maybe he's on the can. Maybe he's taking a leak. You look at some older testament, old older translations, they'll say, Maybe he's taking a leak. Because we can't say that today because Christians don't take leaks, apparently. I don't know what the problem is. Good people are so silly. Well, we can't say that in the Bible. Let's change the Bible. Nitwits. He's in deep thought. He's on the can, is what he's saying. Maybe he's on the can. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's on a trip. Maybe he's asleep. You gotta wake him up. And so they shouted the louder, and they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their customs. It was all part of the satanic blood rituals and stuff they would do when the presence of these spirits would show up. But nothing's happening. Their blood flowed. Nothing was happening. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. They did this all day long. Hula, hula, hula! Come on, bail, yo, bail! Woo, woo, woo! They're getting it on. They're cutting themselves. They're doing everything that always worked before, but it's not working now. It says there was no response. No one answered. Nobody paid attention. Finally, they're exhausted. They quit. Then Elijah says to all the people, come here. And they came to him. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had Come saying, your name shall be Israel. So these are the 12 tribes of Israel being represented. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And then he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed, which is, it's about 150 by 75 feet. It's a lot. Big yo mama trench. Now it says he dug it. I highly doubt he personally dug it. This whole prophet. <laughs> you know, remember, it's It's evening. It's going to be dark pretty soon. They don't have lights. They don't have time for Elijah to be digging a big Yo Mama trench. So I don't think it was him personally. I think he said, make it happen. So you got all these people there. So a bunch of guys, you know, I'm sure the young guys. And they're digging it. just the big Yo Mama thing all the way around. So everybody's watching. What is he doing? What's with the trench? So it says he arranged the wood. He cut the bowl into pieces. He laid it on the wood, getting ready for the sacrifice to God. And then he said to them, fill four large jars of water. Now, we're not talking, you know, these little canning jars, okay? We're talking these big jars, you know. I'll take four large jars of water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. What? (laughs) I don't think you understand what we're trying to accomplish here, son. (laughs) We're going for some fire, all right? And if we want some fire, we want the most favorable conditions possible. Wouldn't you think? I mean, come on. Right now, it's highly favorable. It hasn't rained for three years. That wood is dry as it can possibly be. With all that wood and that bull laying on there, there's probably enough sun coming in. Maybe we just get a little spontaneous reaction and it'll burst into flames. We're going for something dramatic here. You don't work against it. You don't make it worse. But he took it and just poured all this water. Over the top of it. Verse 34, he says, do it again. And they did it again. Then he says, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. Now, the water ran down the altar and even filled the trench, the Bible says. Now, why in the world would he do that? To prove a very important point, that God does not need Favorable circumstances to do a miracle. Now, I say this because it's amazing how many people will come and they're talking about the tragedy or the struggle in their life, and they often frame it in the context of, you know, if we'd have just done it earlier, or if we would have just gotten help earlier, or something else would have been better, you know, if the circumstances would have been favorable, surely God would have showed up. But now, Pastor, it's too late. It's too late. God can't save my marriage. It's gone too far. God can't help our finances. We're on the verge of bankruptcy enough. If something would have happened earlier, that could have helped. And it's too late now. We hear this all the time. I've heard it for 40 years. Lathan's heard it for 75. <laughs> <laughs> Methuselah down here. It's gone too far, Pastor. It's too late. I mean, if, if it wasn't, if, if there wasn't so much debt, well, let well, it be would be different. But there's so much debt, there's nothing we can do. But uh, they're so sick, if they weren't so sick, you know, but now it's too far. Elijah pours water all over the thing, it's sopping wet. The trench is filled with water. To show us that God is not limited by circumstances. God does not need favorable circumstances to do a miracle. And by the way, to God there is no such thing as a big miracle or a small miracle. It's just all a miracle. It's the same to God. doesn't matter about the circumstances. We see this in the Bible. We read about it in the gospel. Where they contact Jesus and say, hey, your friend, your buddy, Lazarus is sick. And... So Jesus is going to go see Lazarus, but he's kind of dinging around. He's dragging his feet, taking his time. Disciples say, man, we, we got to get going. Not nah, would be cool. it would be all right. Why he's waiting for is for Lazarus to die, which really sucks if you're Lazarus. So, so he's got, By the time he gets there, Lazarus is dead. And his sisters are upset. And they are howling and crying, as you well would expect. And if you read the account, they looked to Jesus and said, if you would have only been here earlier. If he'd have just been here under favorable circumstances, you could have done something. But now it's too late. You see, it's always too late. If God would have showed up when we think he would have showed up, that'd be different. But now if he doesn't do it, then it's too late. It's too much. It's more than we can handle. If he'd just been here earlier, you could have fixed it. But now he's dead. When Jesus hollers at the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. the Dead man comes to life. He comes hopping out of the tomb. Wow. Of course, this is good and bad news for Lazarus. Good news is he's back alive. Bad news is now he's got to die again. (laughs) That had to bite. It's all the same to God. Doesn't matter how many times you get hammered by the circumstances. Doesn't matter how many demons from hell attack you. Doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. Oh, here's another one. Well, God, you know, if, you know I, I've sinned too much. I've sinned too much. If I hadn't sinned so much, God could do so. But I've crossed the line. Now God can't help me. Come on, I know. Y'all hear these voices? We all hear them. I hear them. We all hear them. It's too much now. Doesn't matter how bad things have gone. Doesn't matter... If the problem is new or if you've been having a problem that's been plaguing you for years and years and years, that's the other thing. Oh, it's been happening so long. God, it's too hard for God now. Really? I want you to know something. When God shows up, he shows up. He does not need favorable circumstances to change Jack. Anything is possible to him. Over and over again in the scriptures, it's telling us nothing is impossible to me. Trust me, there is nothing impossible to God. It's all the same to him. It's hard for us. You know, if we got a cold, well, we can get faith for that. But if we got a brain tumor, well, we can't have faith. It's a brain tumor. If it was a cold, you know, God could do something about that, but not not now. Really? Because it doesn't matter to God. God can do anything. He can do anything. As you know, uh, for some years, my wife, Deb, has struggled with with health issues. And usually, these little tumors would pop up. And uh, we've always felt extraordinarily blessed. Because when they would pop up, it would be like one little tiny dot. Her tumors have been so small, most of the time, the doctors can't find them. And she insists, it's there. And they're telling her, it's not there. And she says, I'm telling you, it's there. Now, you can tell, it just irritates them. And they keep looking, finally, go, oh, I guess you're right. Then they do something about it. A couple of weeks ago, she went and got tested. And this time, there's not just one little tiny tumor. They're all over the place. And of course, the immediate response and the natural is, oh, no, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, no, what are we going to do? It's so big now. There's so many. You got to stop and say, wait a minute. It doesn't matter if it's one little tiny one or 150 big yo mama ones. It's all the same to God. Sometimes we think, well, if, it just, if, the, if the wood wasn't wet, just keep it dry. Don't pour stuff on it. Make it manageable. You need to at least have some favorable circumstances. No, you don't. Doesn't matter how spiritual unspiritual you are. Doesn't matter how much you pray, how much you don't pray. It doesn't matter all this stuff. It's not about you. It's about trusting God. And you put your faith in God, God'll show up and turn your circumstances around. Nothing's impossible to him. Sometimes the attacks come in waves, like Elijah's three big waves of water. Here we find out this thing with Deb, and whoa, that you know, that kind of nicks you back. And then Pastor Bob's wife, Dana, got really sick this last week after coming through her cancer thing. She gets this meningitis thing. It's scary. I mean, everybody's scared. That's why you haven't seen Bob for a couple of weeks. At this campus, you guys all know that over there, but I haven't seen him because he's been dealing with this. And it's like another wave. Oh, man. And just if that wasn't enough, then I get a call from my office. My financial guy says, you need, you need to come in. Come in, what's the problem? He said, man, the offerings have dropped off quite a bit. In some areas down to half of what it was coming in. I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. Cause the first thing I think, what did I do? I must usually I tick somebody off. <laughs> what did I do? I think I don't think I did anything. I don't even understand what that's about. All I know is another wave psh, coming slamming against us. But you know what? In the midst of wave after wave after wave, I hope the waves are done. They may not be. Who knows what story I'll have for you next week? Say, Pastor, does this stuff bother you? Of course it bothers me, despite my godlike appearance. <laughs> took him a while to get that one. Despite my godlike appearance, I'm human like everybody else, and I don't like it. I don't like any of it. And at times it's frustrating, and at times you feel like you can't breathe. But you know what? God is faithful. We just need to stand in faith. It doesn't matter how many buckets of water the enemy might pour on your sacrifice. It doesn't matter to God. He doesn't need things to be dry to show up and do his miracle. He doesn't need good circumstances to show up for his miracle. Um, I would appreciate your prayers, obviously, as we're going through this. Certainly praying for Bob and Dana and for my sweet little Debbie at home and uh, and. Pray for the church, and uh, you know I don't know what the money thing's about with everybody, and I, I don't hardly talk about money, and I don't like yelling at people about money, but I don't know why things have dried up. But let me encourage you, don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. Give. This is your church. This is your family. Step up. Uh, and if you're in a place where you could do more than you've been doing, then do that. Yeah, sometimes we sacrifice. That's what we gotta do. If God's blessed you, don't just sit back and not do something and don't let other people carry the burden all by themselves. Everybody, if everybody did just what they should do, we'd have no problems. So let me encourage you. Support us. Don't just think we don't need you. We need you. Uh, Actually, the biggest challenge is at this campus, the East Campus. Appleton, you guys are doing good. Point's doing well. The West Side's doing well. I have a theory. I think it's the nice building. I kid you not. I think people come in here and think, oh, they don't need my money. When you go to the other buildings, they walk in and say, boy, you guys really need some money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's the good news for you. The bad news for you. Don't think that way. Just call us is here. If anything, who do you think needs more money? It's expensive to run all this stuff. Don't just sit back, and, oh, they don't need my help. We need your help. And we need your prayers and your encouragement. And stand together with us. And, and don't be afraid for us. We don't need you to be afraid. It's hard not to be afraid. It's natural. You know, I can always see it whenever I announce something like this, the terror in people's eyes. That's okay. You can have your, oh, no, what are we going to do moment. We all have that. But I need you to get past that. And trust God with us. And stand together with us and support us. What we're doing. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why one wave after another wave after another wave comes smashing down. I don't like it. All I can figure is God must have something really cool lining up for us. I don't know what it is. I'd sure like to see it in a hurry, but I don't know what it is. <inaudible> but stand with us. Don't be afraid for us. Don't run up and cry. Oh, we feel so. Don't know. Don't be sorry for us. Why don't you just stand in faith with us. Sorry shows compassion, and I appreciate that, but we need faith. And and let me just offer one thing, and I mean this not disrespectful to anybody, but please, please don't come up to us, any of us that are struggling with this and offer your health suggestions. Please. Well, brother, if you just get your wife to suck on these mushrooms from the South End and just <laughs> do that three times a day, it really you know, well, if you just serve up some fried squirrel brains, because there's a lot of nutrients in fried squirrel brains that'll bring you some healing. Really, listen, we don't need a natural answer. We need a supernatural answer, okay? That's what we need. We don't need you to come up and say, well, now, you know, you got water all over this here altar. Now, we need to get some sun lamps out here and start drying this thing. I got some big fans and try to blow out all this water and try and dry it out. And if we can just get it as dry as possible, maybe God can do something. No, we don't need the natural answer and God doesn't need our help. We just need God to be God. He pours all this water all over the altar because... None of it matters. God is not dependent on circumstances. Let's continue the rest of the account here. At verse 36, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jake and Israel, let it be known today that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell. Burned up the sacrifice. Burned up the wood. Burned up the stones. Burned up the dirt. And licked up all the water in the trench. That is when your mama blasts the fire, Jack. Boom! Why? Because none of it mattered. Didn't matter about the stupid sacrifice. Didn't matter how much water was on. When God shows up, God shows up. The Bible says when all the people saw this, they felt prostrate. I'll bet they did. <laughs> oh, man. And they cried, the Lord he is God. The Lord he is God. Let's trust God together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your kindness. Lord, we uh, have some challenges on us. I, I don't know what's going on. But you promised that you'd be with us. You never promised we wouldn't suffer. You didn't promise we'd never get sick. You never said we'd have problems, we wouldn't have problems with money. You never promised any of that. If anything, you said exactly the opposite. You told us, Lord, that in this life, we would have tribulations, that in this world, we would have difficulties. But you told us to be of good cheer because you've overcome the world. We can be full of good cheer. because It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, oh God, how wet the wood is. All that matters is how big our God is. And Lord, for people who are listening to me right now, I know we're not the only people in life struggling with things. There's people listening right now that are struggling greatly, that they're trying, and they need a miracle. And just when they're trying to expect the greatest of miracles, one big flood of water comes after another, making it seem even more impossible God, I pray for them that they'd take courage and to realize it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how wet the altar is. All that matters is how big our God is. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.